The revolution will be commercialized. It'll be valued, flipped and sold for parts like any other commodity. They will rip out its heart and use its chest as vacant property. Those faceless leviathans who parade themselves as pious and play the part of allies when there's nothing left but rioting. They will try to entice you with their siren song to cover up the sound of trillions being siphoned off. Just remember, your friendly neighborhood conglomerate will not hesitate to turn your lighting off, you see. They'll happily bump the train as it's leaving the station, but they will never pay the fare, nor will they start the conversation. Mickey Mouse will wear the revolution like a seasonal accessory. His sticky rat fingers will squeeze it for every drop of publicity. He will ride it into a dark and empty entropy, leaving it in social consciousness as a half-remembered memory. I did once have a dream in which a revolutionary thought they could stand tall, quench the fires and bear aloft the modest and when I woke up I remembered that sticky fingers will always twist a messiah and turn them for a profit. I hear the fanfare now. Roll up, roll up, grab your I can't breathe face mask, trademark your Black Lives Matter Versace banner for trendy teens with exaggerated swagger. Hell, we'll even throw in a hammer. Sickle sold separately for those of you with a propensity for bludgeoning your enemies. Hello and welcome to another episode of Party Two Ears. Today we're so excited to have Kofi Achna on the microphone today. Um, we tried to do the recording before, but it didn't quite work out, so we're back again and we're in the recording studio this time, so that's mm. exciting. Yeah, this is cool. Hi, Kofi. Hi. So what happened last time, Kofi, when yeah, we tried so to do this recording before? <laughs> the Wi-Fi <laughs> was shocking. Um, yeah, the lag was just... was a. a challenge <laughs> it went well it was it was it was good it was a good conversation i yeah. think it just couldn't flow as smoothly as it can like face to face yeah like i'd say something and then there'd be like a 10 second delay yeah and it's then you like, guys would hear it <laughs> you know these frustrating zoom conversations that you have but you're like this was a nice conversation mm -hmm. but you wouldn't want to hear it back anyway to introduce kofi kofi is a london-based spoken word artist and self-proclaimed storyteller He'll speak on anything from sunsets to fascism. He has performed from Brighton Seafront to Islington. He managed to worm his way into a Hammer and Tonk Slam final and got a piece published when he was nine. Yeah, That's, that's quite me. an impressive <laughs> bio. <laughs> I want to start where, with when you started writing when you were nine. Yeah, that was... Um... That's like one of my favorite stories. So um, there was like a competition in school. So yeah, this was primary this was what, year four or something, year five. Um, and there was a competition where everyone in the classes had to write a poem about, um, I think it was waterfalls. The topic was waterfalls. And I wrote a poem about waterfalls. And then I think five people from each class got selected to have their poem put in like this book that they made. Um, and I think it, my mum has it somewhere. I'm not sure. I haven't seen it in a long time. But I remember reading it again recently and being like, that's actually quite good. Oh. <laughs> yeah. It's actually not bad. So you still it got yourself. it. Yeah, exactly. For a nine-year-old, like, that, how, that was some... Uh, how long was it? It was, it was, um, it was four stanzas, stanzas, um, yeah. or verses. Um, but yeah, I think I was just talking about waterfalls. And, so what were your thoughts on waterfalls? I, I think I liked them. I think they were good. Um, yeah. I don't know why. I'd never seen one really. Well, not in person, but yeah, I think mm. I liked them. And then I think I used some really good like similes and metaphors. And they were like, yeah, that's mm. that's good. I think something interesting is many poets we talk to say that they didn't get inspired by poetry when they were in school because mm. there were subjects that were unrelatable to their yeah, life yeah but you seem to quite enjoy it yeah well i mean it's one of those things where because i never really studied like english a level or english at uni or anything like that but i always i've always enjoyed beautiful 
beautiful prose and like really well written like speeches in movies where the character will do like this really impactful monologue or something i've always loved that kind of stuff so i think i've had this kind of non-academic love for i guess the the spoken word mm. from like quite an early age did you did you read a lot growing up yeah yeah i yeah. read like um I was I was really big into like my YA novels, so I read like I read like Hunger Games before they made a movie out of it. Like I was always really proud of the fact that I'd I'd been on the train first. I was in school. I used to like get to school really early and then sit in in my classroom and then just like read a new book. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then I didn't read for a long time over uni. I think I just like had other stuff to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think everyone goes for that yeah, period exactly. of like no like no reading at all. Right? Yeah. You studied um, sciences. Yeah, or? chemistry. I did chemistry. Um, so most of the stuff I was reading was like academic papers and stuff yeah. instead of like actual enjoyable books but then I like got audible recently so now I've been like back onto my books even if it is mm -hmm. in my ears but I guess that still counts yeah and you said you had a you have a separate experience with spoken word or rap yeah or... yeah well yeah me and um my sister like always used to love um like it, do you remember like music channels? Like they used to have music channels. Well, I think they still like have them. what, like the Box and yeah, VH1 exactly, and exactly. MTV. Yeah, yeah, yeah. MTV we used two. to like literally get home and then just put on one of those. And there was um, yeah, I think there was like a grime channel, and we used to just like listen to it, and we'd like listen to the lyrics and kind of pick them apart. And when, when grime was like totally new exactly, right exactly. totally fresh it was, it was like, like a... the, it was still the new the next big thing i yeah. may sound ignorant but what's grime <laughs> it's like it's like uk rap yeah. but i mean maybe you could get a bit more specific about yeah, yeah, it yeah i mean it's essentially uk hip-hop is it's i think grime when compared to say us hip-hop in my opinion at least it, it tends to be a bit more lyrical a bit more i think grime t um kind of has a bit more wordplay and mm. telling a story not that US hip hop doesn't do that, but I think grime is very centered on the idea of the beauty in the lyrics and what you're actually saying. Yeah. Do you think do you think it's more like that than, for example, in America, right? You got mumble rap, and yeah, that's exactly. really big at the moment. Yeah, right? yeah. So, yeah. Like... I've always I've always um, preferred UK hip hop generally, just because yeah. it's like even especially like even now you have like Dave and Stormzy and stuff like that. They they put so much effort into making the lyrics fun and good and. I think that's... You mentioned before Jamie. Yeah, Jamie. Yeah, 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 exactly. He's, this is he's... when I knew Grime could be fun. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's always been, like, my one of my earliest, I think, inspirations, I guess. Yeah, so yeah. So bringing it back to the poetry thing, like, I mean, of these guys, who would you say has been an influence in your work? You yeah. Know, like... I think bringing it to specifically spoken word, definitely K-Tempest. Um, mm. Obviously, like... I would always, I've always thought that they're probably the person that's inspired my poetry the most. Right. Because from the beginning, obviously they've got that kind of South London twang to the voice, which mm. I like. I love the idea of kind of yeah. poetry, but like with a South London accent. Yeah. Mm. So is that so? That's where you're from, right? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Where so in South London? Croydon. From Croydon. Right. Yeah. South. South as you can get. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think. Their 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 poetry is so smart and it's so uh, lyrical and I think they along with like grime artists and stuff it's always it's been the fun side I think of spoken word that I've enjoyed mm. where it's a bit more bombastic I do guess. You, do you prefer um, poetry or spoken word with a musical background? Yeah, that's like 
always kind of been like one of my dreams to to do that at some point it always it's it's beautiful it's like it's really beautiful where you can because I, I love poetry in silence I love it when it's just the words but I think the performance of having a backing track of having like music to go along with it it's it I think it adds to it so yeah I've always thought it was really nice what, what's the difference in your mind between doing spoken word with an accompanying, accompanying backing track mm. and rapping I think I mean to be fair if, if, if you're if you're spoken rapping is essentially spoken word on a beat like to a beat but I, I think um there's a lot of value as well where there's no there doesn't even need to be a beat it could it could be something which is quite like melodic and it just kind of lets us lays a background mm. for the words to go on top so i've always imagined say like one of my more like sad poems having like a, a kind of like i don't know how to explain like a flowy melody behind it to kind of carry it a bit more and um i think just lay a background i love mm. the idea of background music so what's your what's your story with thinking and starting to write uh, poetry for spoken word and, mm. and be like okay this is what I'm going to do now? Yeah, well I've always like I've always been into rap and hip hop and lyrics and um, especially me and my sister we used to like write together and she she was always the the first one to to get into like new music or like new new bars or like she'd write something and be like oh can you look at this and I'll be like that is so good and so I was always a bit I think I was always a bit quite inspired by her um but then I think I got to a point where I'd kind of write for fun I'd write like a a, a little rap about my day or something and then I think after kind of being more exposed to spoken word I kind of realized that I think rap felt maybe a little too constricted where you do have to be exactly on the beat otherwise it sounds weird but with spoken word you can kind of you can stop for like four seconds to let a verse sink in or you can you can completely change your flow as you're going like there's no constriction to how fast you can speak so I think I eventually wanted to move a bit more into poetry but I still love I still love a, a, a rhyme I still love changing flow like all the stuff that makes rap really good so what was that you said you were kind of exposed to spoken word like mm. what was that moment or what was that series of events yeah. where you were more exposed to it would you say i don't it's i don't re remember it specifically i feel like there should be like a specific moment that i remember but i, I think it was just eventually um it was do you know what k tempest album I can't remember, it's, it's, I think, something, the trappings of something. I can't remember exactly what it's called, but I listened to that album and they do spoken word over a backing track throughout. Mm. And I just listened to it, I was like, that is so good, I want to do that. So I think that was probably one of the biggest moments of being like, I want to do that. And especially over lockdown as well, I spent a lot of time watching um, people's sets. Because we all had like a lot of spare time, so I spent a lot of time watching sets and, mm. um, oh, what's it called? There's this channel and oh, book something book i can't remember but uh, there's this on youtube yeah yeah yeah, yeah i, I no. can't remember what it's called um, we put in the links yeah yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah we'll find it later but there's this channel and they 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 have people do like um uh poetry and i i just i thought it was so good i was like i want to do that so mm. i started writing longer pieces and then you ended up a hammering talk finalist. yeah 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 that was that was like a, the culmination of my year of, of getting into spoken word um so that was, that was i think that was summer that was at like the beginning of summer um 
and I'd done like open mics. I'd been invited to do some feature sets as well. And it was, I think it was like my final challenge to do an actual slam because obviously it's competitive, which adds a whole new kind of level to it where you are being judged for mm-hmm. your poem. How did that feel for you? It was, it was so strange because I, I, I really, I pride myself on not getting stressed about stuff. You mm-hmm. kind of take things as they come and... As like the weeks coming up to it, I was like, yeah, it'll be fine. I'll win. I'll, I might win it. I might not. Whatever. It's fine. I'm just there to have a good time. And then like the day before, I started getting really nervous. I was like, oh my God, I, I actually really want to win it. I really want it. And, <laughs> and then I started like, I was like, that poem's not good enough. You need to write a new one in the, in the space of like two days. It's not good enough. And so I was getting, I think I caught myself and I was like, it's okay if you don't win. Like it's, it's your first time. And also like you're 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 valid you don't need mm. to win the slam to know that mm. you, you're okay at writing poetry so it was yeah it was it was quite nerve-wracking at it's, a point it's quite impressive to make it to the final exactly anyway. exactly yeah it means enough people approve of what you do and they find yeah. it relatable yeah i was so happy to even just make it to the final it so, was, yeah yeah, yeah. So, so you wrote something new for the final in the end, like yeah, you I did. coupled well, together something really quick. Yeah, or? I um, I edited um, one of the poems that I'd been writing for a while. So I wrote I wrote um, a poem about my mum, um, and kind of about the the, I guess how as you grow up you start to realise that the struggles that they went through, but because like as a child you just can't see it. Um, but yeah, do you, should I should I do it? Please, yeah. yeah. Um, okay. The alarm goes off at 6.45. Veronica wakes up, wipes the crust from her eyes. She didn't get to sleep till two last night. Her mind would not stop chittering. It's still dark when she gets the bus, all caught up in the twilight rush. Her waterproof coat weren't waterproof enough. She clutches a pole, shivering. Her manager's mad because she was five minutes late. He barks like a dog, spittle brushes her face. She gets in the kitchen, works for barely a wage. In her belly, her rage, simmering. Rejoice, rejoice, she's done for the day. Gets home, Teleon reaches for a favourite ashtray. On her table, a mountain of bills still to pay. The cruel thoughts start their niggling. Her... The boiler's still broke, so it's a kettle-brewed bath. Her flat's so cold, she needs a coat and a scarf. Even getting off her sofa is starting to get hard. She feels her bones stiffening. It's 11.47 before she slips into bed, but still the thoughts twist, toss and turn in her head. She sank even deeper into her overdraft today. You know, payday always does seem so far away. It's been two years since she last got a raise and her rent's going up because her landlord says that he's got to cover increasing house costs, but her bathroom ceiling's still covered in rot and her kitchen paint's peeling. She told him this month's back and every time she brings it up, he says that he forgot the cost of living's up so he's squeezing her for profit she'd move if she could but she can't hand she can't save up her deposit almost all her wages going into someone else's pocket and she thinks is this the american dream that i was promised if i die tonight would i be satisfied with the life i made or will i carry all of my regrets into my coffin mm. that's a bit of it yeah yeah well <laughs> kind of hits with the uh, ongoing cost of living yeah crisis, exactly well that's that's know. yeah Sorry, that was um, a little bit mm. extra that i added into it because like it's 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 something that I can definitely relate to. A lot of people can relate to, obviously. So I thought it kind of adds that. I've always loved the, the idea of poetry being relatable as well, and standing mm-hmm. up there and saying something that people can be like, "Yeah, I feel that too." Yeah, I think it brings yeah. people together, and mm-hmm. yeah, I think it's lovely. What was that line a kettle-filled bath? Yeah, where you, yeah. Where you have to heat the water yeah, with a kettle and then keep pouring it, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, like I remember like times where like our boiler would just break or something, and then you literally had to yeah. like. Yeah. Up a kettle I had baths like that. Too. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's so strange to even think that. that can yeah, happen, damn. So how much of how much of that poem is factual, like autobiographical, hundred percent? It's actually so. What I've done with that one is that I've interspersed 
stuff that's happened to me, like my experiences and her experiences. So like, mm. the say so there's a verse about getting on a bus and like her, her coat wasn't thick enough or something. I don't know. That's I've never asked her if she ever got on the bus and her coat wasn't thick enough. But it's happened to me. I've gotten on the bus and I'm soaked because I didn't have a proper coat or something. Mm. So I think I've I've kind of written it from both of our perspectives. There, half of the stuff I'd say happened to her mm. and then half of it happened to me. Mm. It's intense, you know. Yeah. You're saying, you're saying it. You say, you know, if if you died today, like, yeah. would you would you be happy with the life that you made, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. And it's like, where? It's quite harsh. Where did that sent? <laughs> yeah. Where did that sentiment come from in your mind? Like, so, what were you thinking about? Yeah, yeah, that's so. That's something that I think I've kind of been experiencing more, having like entered adulthood. It's I think the idea of like what you leave in the world and and. Um, what you contribute to the world, I guess, and how much you even care about what you contribute to the world. It's something that I've definitely had to contemplate a lot more as an adult. And so I I think it's... I, I imagine that it's definitely something that she would have thought about as well, like in, mm. in her early adulthood. And yeah, I think, again, I think it's something that a lot of people probably end up thinking about. Like, if I, mm. yeah, if I die tonight, mm. I'd be satisfied with the life I'd made. And you... You mentioned the, the American dream. Mm, what yeah. was that? Yeah, so so that's um that relates to so she was born in Ghana, um, and then moved to the UK. Um and I think that's something that's common with a lot of immigrants, that this this idea of the West and the West being this like haven of of prosperity and luxury. Um but actually like she still struggles. We all struggle. Like it's it's mm. I think um yeah, it's, it's it's quite a big thing in in Ghanaian communities that they have this image of us being like the the winners that yeah. we made it, but actually, yeah, as, as, I heard I heard an expression about Europe as being like the golden citadel. Mm, yeah. I quite like this expression. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's it's. But... I think it's like I think it's 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 a it's a bit of a misconception. I mean, obviously, mm. I don't want to downplay it. It's there there are mm. plenty of good things. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm interested as to why you said American dream and not. Like, yeah, I think I think um, it's like a, a kind of Western yeah, dream, almost yeah, like a kind of image of like material prosperity. Exactly. Or like that, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. The American dream is it's. I think it's something that actually is. Yeah, it's a bit more Western. The Western mm, dream. Yeah. It's a bit more generalizable. Yeah, and um, so I discovered you at Quid the Mic, mm. and so you were an open micer there, mm-hmm. and at the end of the show. Um, the organizers decide um, who's going to be the next feature, yeah. and you won the feature slot. Yeah, yeah, that was so, awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I can't believe that. <laughs> <laughs> so you went from London to Brighton yeah. to do this open mic, and then you you got the feature slot. Yeah. Um, yeah. What was the poem you performed for so that? So I did, I did. Um, uh, what do I even call it? Uh, get back to work. I did get back to oh, work, yeah. which was amazing. Like they they posted the. The video mm, of it the other day. Yeah, and the so the next quid of Mike is on the first of December. Yeah. And how long have you got for that? So it? that's uh ten to twelve minutes, I think. Yeah. So I'm kind of working out now how many like what the lineups are. Yeah, do be. you know yet? Uh hmm? do you do you know what yet what poems? Yeah, you know? well I'm I'm writing one now to hopefully do for the first time there, which is a bit stressful because it's like mm. in two weeks, I think. So it's it's I've already got like four uh three that I will definitely do 
and then either I'll do the new one that I'm writing or I won't finish it and then I'll do like an old one. Exclusive then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> hell yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you want to um, perform Get Back to Work? Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah. What's it about, Get so, Back to Work? So I wrote, um, I wrote that one kind of just after lockdown um, where there was this whole thing for like, everyone needs to get back into the office and because mm. so many people had been working from home as well. So like there was like a, quite a bit of outrage about the idea that all of a sudden you have to go back to the nine to five, mm. five days a week. Um, was that your situation at the time? As yeah, well? yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. I got lucky. So I, I happened to get a hybrid job where I'm in three days a week. But, you know, working from home every day would be great. <laughs> it's just one of those <laughs> yeah. things where I think a lot of people had it worse than I did, where all of a sudden they had to go back in all the time. And then there were a lot of discussions about work in general and pay. And I think there's, I started it as a, can't believe we're going back to the office. And it kind of grew into this whole mm. criticism of work, I guess. Mm. And also people who can't, couldn't go yeah, work exactly. from home. Exactly, know? exactly. Yeah, it was tough. Especially after, you know, having the lockdown where we were all just at home. Most Well, not all of us, but most of us were just at home. And all of a sudden... That wasn't allowed anymore. Mm. Yeah, should I do it? Yeah, please. Oh, my God. Uh, okay. <laughs> this is a public service announcement from your beloved ruling elite. So if you're stood, get on your knees. And if you're sat, get on your feet. We've got four little words. We promise they won't hurt. It goes something like this. Get back to work. Yeah, we know you had your fun over the course of the pandemic. Sat on your ass. We're watching The Haunting of Hill House on Netflix. But we simply can't accept this. So no more furlough for your purse. If you want to eat tonight, get back to work. We've got plenty of roles to fill. You know, hospitality is all the rage. The benefits are splendid. Zero hours, minimum wage, unpaid overtime, unpaid breaks. There's a plethora of perks. So we see no reason why you wouldn't want to get back to work. Take Boxer as an example. He worked until he bled. He toiled from dawn till dusk and didn't stop till he was dead. What a shining standard of the type of labour you should yearn. So if it's glory you wish to earn, get back to work. There are those among you who would prefer to work from home. Have you heard of a little event? It was called the Fall of Fucking Rome. Um, what about the two-hour commutes? We know you love them dearly. And those toxic workplace cultures that leave you vitalised and cheery. Spending more time with your loved ones, yeah, that's a recipe for disaster. Let's ignore those pesky studies that say you might end up working harder. This is the way we've always done it and you know change is usually for the worse. So let's conserve traditional values and get back to work. Now this next one, you lot won't believe. There are those out there calling for a four-day working week as if your lives could have more meaning than being cogs in our machines. You don't know what to do with yourselves without our fists holding your leads. Almost sounds like revolution, but you wouldn't be the first. So if you know what's good for you, get back to work. Sure, bills are going up. Rent ain't getting, ain't getting cheaper. It's about time you plebs learn to see the bigger fucking picture. Yeah, we've tanked the economy, but we've got a simple solution. We just need to make sure that the rich keep getting richer. Some of you may die, but that's a risk we're willing to take. Have you considered just getting a job with more pay? It only costs a couple grand to get a certified qualification, hours in the day you don't have filling out inane job applications, a seven month probation with a 12 mile relocation for a role with pay rises that still won't match inflation and that you dare think about fighting for your rights. You lot are forgetting that you were born to serve. So cough up to your superiors, submit to your landlords, get off your picket lines and get back to work. We'll sprinkle the homeless on the streets so you're terrified of joblessness. Keep you fed on bread and circuses so you never achieve class consciousness. We'll give you false gods. Make consumerism your new deity. Make money your prayer and the office your church. And above all else, we'll shove this dogma down your throats. It's only four little words. Get back to work. Mm. That's it. Brilliant. <laughs> I feel like it's a great motivation for if you're striking or you're mm. on a protest. Yeah, 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 I think I tried to So get the it. troops, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and yeah, so during the event, um, you got people to 
say if you get back to it work. It was so cool. The energy it was, was so massive. cool. Yeah, yeah. So, so how did you amazing. do that? Like, what? I honestly, I didn't say anything. They just like started doing it. It was really because like, because I've, I've it's obviously if you repeat a line, eventually everyone knows to expect mm. what the line's gonna be. So I've always, I guess, yeah, when it started happening, I was like, I, I, there was a point where I was like, get back to work. And I yeah. had like a room full of people saying it back at me. I was like, I've made it. Yeah, this so you didn't best. expect that. No, then. no, no. I not thought you planned all. it. No, kind no. Of. It just, it started oh, happening. And I was like, this is the best audience ever. Yeah. <laughs> it was so cool. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you're like leading the crowd. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah cool like response. there's 50 people saying get back to work yeah. with you. Yeah, I was like, starting a revolution. In that yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so politics is a big part of your poetry, right? Yeah, yeah. And how do you, how do you balance that in your own mind with like aesthetics or mm. pretty words, pretty That's, images? Yeah, yeah. Know? Well, I think I've always, um, yeah. I mean, I've always found it a bit tricky to 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 do pretty words and I, I always I, I I love going to open mics and seeing a poet who can write the most beautifully imagery filled prose and it's 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 gorgeous and I, I think I would like to try and write more stuff like that but I think for me I I like a rhyme I like saying something deep deep um, I like saying things that people can relate to so I think I I naturally i think lean a bit more towards the the wordplay and the mm. well like it's what you're passionate about as yeah well, exactly right? so like it sets you on fire to like exactly, write that exactly. kind of stuff yeah i love a rant and oh. in the meantime when you, we did the first recording um you read a poem about sunset that's what uh, I was, yeah, that's yeah. what i was gonna ask uh, i was yeah, trying yeah, to yeah, well, transition yeah, to that and it's in way. your bio as well you write yeah. from sunsets to fascism <laughs> so let's go into the sunset yeah, yeah. that's yeah. definitely one that is a bit more i try to make that one nice i try to make that <laughs> poetry yeah. if that makes sense yeah i don't mean to like divert the conversation from politics but oh, like no, it's happily it's just that right. this this poem is one of my favorite of yours yeah and, well uh, yeah because I, 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 yeah. I liked writing that one as well because you know as much as i love doing poems about politics i love doing poems just about like stuff that you mm. see yeah well um I guess we should do the poem first and then we yeah, could talk yeah. about okay, it. So, Because okay. otherwise the audience is just yeah, getting yeah. teased. Okay, context. <laughs> yeah. um, the other day I was walking up past the Sainsbury's at the top of my high street. As I turned the corner towards the bus stop, the houses and trees parted and I was presented with a view of the sky. Golden hour. Blue, blended with orange, lacerated by candy floss clouds, all lines leading back to the sun, throbbing blood red and barely clutching to the horizon. And I thought to myself... I kind of hate sunsets. I hate them because I don't know what to do with them. I don't know how to appreciate them properly. I wish I could take that beauty and wrap it up and eat it so I could actually feel it inside of me, but I can't. I considered grabbing my phone to take a picture, but photos of sunsets always leave something out. So I acknowledged it like I'd acknowledge a well-trimmed hedge or a dog wearing a jacket and I moved on. A couple days later, as I crossed the Thames, the sun dipped into the water and lit the river on fire. A whole river on fire. So I stared at the water and then I stared at the sun and I imagined that if I stared at it long enough, eventually it would imprint on my eyes and maybe that photo would be good enough. Admittedly, I couldn't see for about two minutes afterwards, but I was satisfied. Once the beauty had bitten at my irises, clawed at my corneas, ripped away my lenses and gripped tight my retina, it wasn't until I was temporarily blind. Only then was I satisfied. It's beautiful. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, and it's like I had this feeling so many times and mm. now I've got words to express it. Yeah. <laughs> it's, useful. it's yeah. useful. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> and, I, and I mentioned before when I first heard it, um, 
it's incredible that you've found a fresh take on mm. sunsets, yeah. right? <laughs> Writing poetry about sunsets. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, um, you know, at school, maybe you could have had like sunsets. And yeah, <laughs> that's <laughs> for me. Yeah. And, and so what like what prompted you to write this poem yeah so that one's about it's it's about um desensitization i think mostly and the idea like when you're a kid and you see a sunset you think it's the most beautiful thing ever you think you're like stunned by it and i think for me growing older i mean there was a specific it was a specific occasion i was walking around like that's a true story i was walking around and i saw a sunset i was like yeah that's all right and i think it's, <laughs> it's one of those things where i was like I, I really want that to be beautiful i want to see mm. it for the beauty that it has but i've i've seen so many sunsets now yeah, it's not it feels good. like a, a really true story because you say I was past the saints. Where like, it's quite yeah, specific. Yeah, yeah. You know? I, I, I literally it was one. Of, this is something I do sometimes. I literally got my phone out and I started talking into. it. I was like, I'll do a poem about this sunset oh, that I'm looking at. Right so you now. record? Yeah, That's well, I'll do like a I'll do like a storyboard, I guess, yeah. and then I'll come back to the recording and then write something out of it. Mm. But yeah, it's and it's something that's it, I find in all parts of my life really. Sometimes like. So, like, the second part where I'm, like, I wish I could imprint it on my eyes. And I think it's, you know, eventually you do something so many times that you have to go to new extremes to still enjoy it somehow. Yeah. And it's dangerous, I think. But That's what I was going to say. It's, like, it annoyed you so much mm. that you'd taken it for granted that you really have tried to appreciate the yeah. sunset, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. Like, I'm staring at the sun. Yeah. yeah. Where, but to... where, so, where did you write this poem, then? Like, obviously, you had this moment. Mm. And did you write it there and then, like on uh, your phone? Uh, I wrote, I wrote um, the first bit where I was like, I was walking up past the Sainsbury's and top of it, blah blah. Because that bit, that bit was, it's quite easy. That bit was quite easy to write because I was just describing what I was doing. Um, and, but then the the bit about the the candy floss clouds that that I had to write later because that that mm. bit took a bit of effort. And... So you so you came back to it like later yeah, on, yeah, and yeah. so there was something. There was something in you, right, that said, oh, I've got something here special, maybe. I've got something that could be yeah, good. Yeah. Right? Like, what, like, yeah, I what guess, was it? That was that was probably one of my earlier storytelling poems. And mm. I always love storytelling and people who use poetry or spoken word as a form of storytelling. And so, I, I mean, I have loads of, like, half-started poems in my notes app where I've kind of had an idea, wrote two lines and then given up on it. But that was one where... I was like, I want to tell this story and I, I want, mm. I just want to tell, it's like, it doesn't even like rhyme that much. Like it's not really got much to it other than it's just me telling a story about mm. something that happened to me. Is rhymes important to you? Yeah, I love a rhyme. It's it's like, it's like <laughs> a, a little kid, but I just love a rhyme. I love it when, um, I don't know, I love flow and I love a rhyme and I love a beat to, mm. to a poem. Do you, uh, how important is performance in your you know, your conception of yourself as a poet or yeah. as a spoken word artist, like, is that more important than, you know, being published, being, having yeah, your would, work written down? I would say, um, I started, I started as a performance poet. Like I, I, my, my first kind of ventures into poetry were open mics and, um, I, I don't know, I'd, I'd love to maybe one day get published because, I think that's a cool step. It's like a bit of progression, I guess. To well, you could do like an album, like yeah. Well, that's the thing. I think I think I'd imagine doing an album first mm. before looking to like get published. I imagine kind of making like an EP or something. I, I love yeah. performance. I love a monologue or like a I don't know. I love that'd be so can... lovely. I feel like that's an 
untapped area in mm. spoken word. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's, it's like this K Tempest, and then there's no one else. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it yeah, doesn't, yeah. Or it's, there's it's, so it's, many it's, like small musicians making albums, mm-hmm. and it wouldn't do a lot because there's just a voice to record. There's not like uh, ten instruments. So, yeah, yeah. It is. It's, it's it's quite a under. I mean, if you know if you know who to look for, there are people out there, but it's quite underground. It's 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 not obviously mainstream really. Mm. So I think it would be nice to get something yeah. out there. Um, so tell us about the London scene. Uh, yeah, London's, the London I mean, poetry. Yeah, is London's big. <laughs> London's got a lot going on. London's very cool. I've found so many open mics just for like Instagram and stuff. Um, but there's yeah there's there's so many and you can you can probably find one most days there's a lot going on there's um i've done i've done quite a few in south london um i went to i think my first ever open mic that i went to london i went to on my own because i was just kind of bored after work once um I, what was it called it was like verse verse poetry mm-hmm. or something um yeah. but there's like and then, and then i did a gig recently at unheard poetry which is like north east london um how yeah, did that go? That went really well. That was really good. Yeah, that was really fun. They, invite, they invited me. Um, so I met so I met someone, um, Elle, I met at the Slam, Hamantang Slam, and then she invited me to speak at a charity event she was doing. And then there I met someone who was running this event, Unheard. And so they invited me to do a feature set there. But it was like, yeah, it was just like this small kind of bar mm. area and they have like live music and it was just really kind. It was really fun. So yeah. you, you're starting to get paid now for your Yeah, clients. yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm making a career out of it. It's so weird. <laughs> I never would have imagined this like a Does year ago. Does that put some pressure on writing poetry? I try to not let it. I've always, I've always told myself that it's like a hobby and it's not like a job. Um, I think the more I get into it, the more I'm like, well, maybe I could make this a job. Maybe mm. I could make this all the time. But I don't think I've will anytime soon yeah. it's nice to like pick up because you have to grid. get back to work don't you <laughs> yeah exactly exactly <laughs> our producer solomon said uh last week he said that the good thing about poetry and spoken word scene is that there's not that pressure to be mm. like massive star exactly you know make loads of money from it yeah. like the the same there is with like music or yeah. acting mm-hmm. you know yeah yeah i mean the way it is now i feel like a, it's it's like a community and like there's it's thriving in Brighton, it's thriving in London, and I I like knowing people without being like this superstar like where you can't even go outside your house or anything. Like I just like knowing or like seeing familiar faces when you go to events. You're like, oh, I saw you last time. I like the community of it. Mm. Yeah, so it's fun. Is it um you know when you kind of it's very intimate, right? You're like mm. spilling your guts yeah, when yeah. you when you up there and you perform. And then, you know, if someone comes up to you during an event and, and starts asking you about, like, intimate details of your life, yeah. like, how do you feel about that? Like, Yeah, it's, I guess, see, I guess, like, by virtue, you're, you're, you've already invited the conversation like that. And I, I, I mean, me personally, I don't really mind too much about talking about my life because I think it's nice when people can open up about themselves. Um and, and and in a lot of ways, sometimes it inspires new poetry. Like someone will be like, oh, I like that poem that you did about like um, something that happened to you when you were a kid. Something like that happened to me once. Mm-hmm. And I think having those spaces where people can, can be like, oh, that reminded me of something that happened to me. And then you can talk about it because you've both experienced it. 
um, I enjoy it. I like it. Mm, um, I find it that you find some connections with people that you wouldn't have had otherwise. Exactly. Because exactly. you wouldn't talk about necessarily about these subjects in a, a regular conversation. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I always say mm. that um, poetry, doing like spoken words can be like therapy sometimes. Like when I'm up there and I'm doing yeah. like something about something that happened to me when I was a kid or something, mm. it's like you're getting it off your chest. And yeah, and it cuts through the small talk in conversations. Yeah, it, exactly, <laughs> exactly. You can go straight into that. Oh, yeah, let's talk about Straight into the trauma. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. It's the best way to get to know someone. <laughs> So, yeah, so we were talking before about, like, uh, you know, we want to get a bit more involved in the, the London scene. Yeah, Like, yeah. what advice would you give us? Okay. You know, what like, what's the best event to come to? Oh, best event. Best and event. if, you know, people are listening out there as well, what's the best event for them to yeah, come okay. um, well, the, of? Yeah, okay. Well, of the ones that I've been to, um, oh, what's the best event? I I don't I don't know. I think there's because some of them have like bigger, some of them are bigger, and then some of them are smaller. So unheard that I went to that was quite a small event, and it was quite intimate. And then at the beginning of it, they do a workshop where everyone like writes a poem, or like there'll be a theme, and so everyone gets a chance to like talk to each other and make up like a new poem. So I th- I think that's awesome. Um, I don't know, none really come to mind straight off the top of my head. I haven't been to one in a while, which I should. There's um, Speakeasy that someone was telling me about the other day, and I was going to go, and then I didn't get a chance to, but that apparently that's really good, and that's run by someone that I've met who took, like, really good pictures of me, so I'm, like, in the, in the um, debt now. Um, so Speakeasy Process is another one that I've heard of. I think there, there's there's so many on Instagram. Like, there, if you if you kind of, once you start following one, you can, you'll find like three more and then you'll find like six more and um yeah none, none come from my head but i can like write them down and <laughs> give sweet them to you. so uh if people want to check more of you out like yeah. uh where can they find your work or um, where can well, they find so i post i guess i post most of my poetry stuff on my instagram uh which is just my name kofi underscore achina um yeah, but I want to, I'm trying to do more open mics. I'm trying to go to more open mics because I haven't been in a while. I've just been like busy and stuff. Do you, do you post up about like where you're going to be performing as well? Like, yeah, on, I try to. I try to. You yeah. mainly on Instagram or? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll put something So you like, can, we can catch you then on the 1st of December at Kudamai? Yeah, yeah, that's my next, that's my next set. And then we'll see yeah. after that. Yeah, it was yeah, lovely yeah. having you, Kofi. Thank you very much. Yeah. Thank, you for, thank you for doing this interview again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was even better the second time. Yeah. We so hope you enjoyed listening to it. See you next time. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Poetry to Your Ears. This podcast is published as a newsletter on Substack. All of our content is published for free, but if you would like to support our work, you can become a paid subscriber. This will help us afford transcripts for the deaf and hard of hearing community and anyone who would benefit from reading the podcast alongside hearing it. You can also support us for free by rating the show on Spotify and Apple Podcasts or writing a review on Apple Podcasts. Share the show with your friends, fellow poets and poetry lovers. If you want to interact with us, you can follow us on at poetry to your ears on Instagram and at poetry to number two your ears on Twitter. Or you can also write a comment on Substack. If you're American and you're listening to us, send us a message. Half of our listeners are American. We'd love to hear from you. Until next time.